Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp Oververse Read Along and Analysis Podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today before we get started, um, well as you may have heard from last week's episode with my special guest Celia from Unclaimed Demigod on YouTube, we discovered something that uh, we didn't realise the level of detail of <laughs> when we first read these books in that Camp Jupiter was, you know, the Confederates, they, you know, they were involved with it. But I have to do a sort of public service announcement here because I shared the meme for the episode relating to that uh, about how, you know, Rick thought it was a good idea to tie Camp Jupiter to the Confederacy. But also, you know, the fact that, you know, Hades is compared to Hitler and Hades' children are were on the side of the Nazis during the war and all that sort of stuff. And how, you know, having a children's series have two major wars connected to the world that it's creating being Nazis and the Confederates really probably wasn't a great literary decision. And apparently... The public service announcement of this is that I have to tell people you probably shouldn't be supporting and backing up the fact that the Confederates and Nazis were almost intrinsic parts of the storylines for Percy Jackson and Heroes of Olympus. Because, you know, funny story, Nazis and Confederates aren't good people. You know, funny that. (laughs) I seriously can't believe how many people were fighting back against the logic that, you know, probably wasn't a good idea to have, you know, the wars that separated, finally, the Greeks and the Romans be connected to the Civil War and the Confederates. That's just, that's... I just... I can't believe people were supporting that and being like, yeah, no, this was a great writing decision. You know, it perfectly made sense because, you know, Rome had slaves, the Greeks had slaves. I'm like, but that doesn't mean it needs to be part of this fucking fantasy series for children to include and tie the history of these camps to the fucking Confederacy and Nazis. Like, why are people supporting this? So again, I would like to remind people, in the episode show notes, there are... Links to support Black Lives Matter, Stop Asian Hate, Trans Lives Matters, Trans Lives Matter, and also help the Native American communities who are undergoing some horrific things like, you know, pipelines and all that bollocks that, you know, the country is doing to them. Because um apparently people need to realise, yeah, 
confederates and nazis are bad people and you should really be helping people who need help instead of finding ways to support a storyline that includes nazis and confederates hmm you know human decency people it's a good thing (laughs) sorry i had to really get that out because that pissed me the fuck off last week where i decided to post this meme about yeah no probably wasn't a good idea to tie something to the confederacy and people decided to support it instead, saying that I was blowing things out of proportion. It's a kid's story. They need to learn about history. Again, they're not learning about history. They're just, they're just learning that these heroes are connected to the Confederates. That's all they're learning. They're learning nothing else. Uh, not learning about how the Confederates were bad people. They're not learning about how, you know, they're stepping away from the Confederacy or anything like that. I'm going to get... I'm going to move away from this because it just pissed me off and I can't believe that this fandom decided yeah let's defend the Nazi and confederacy usage in this story about Greek and Roman mythology because yes surely the confederates and Nazis were a good decision to include in this children's mythology series I'm sorry anyone who backed that up and thought yeah no of course it makes sense to tie it to real life history of barbarity and villainy because oh not everyone has to be a hero get the fuck off my podcast (laughs) just leave right now because i don't want you anywhere near this podcast and to those who realize no i'll stop here i'm just gonna stop here because it just it angered me so much the amount of hate comments i got about bringing awareness to the fact that this was not a good idea I just, I honestly cannot believe this fandom sometimes. But let's move into something more positive. Well, it's not really more positive. I don't have the most positive things to say. But let's move into this part of the the continuation of the timeline journey with this last part of The Lost Hero. With the story break, Mysteries Unveiled, from pages 537 to 551. As always, we've got our points to focus on. So today we've got series hooks, finales, and generally what I thought of it. But to begin, here's a synopsis. As our story comes to a close, a new change of management for the Hephaestus cabin arrives, while Jason receives a pep talk from Juno. While at the war meeting, Jason's background is revealed. He is a member of the Roman camp in San Francisco. And that is where they will find Percy Jackson. And that's that's literally, nothing happens in these chapters. This is what I was saying with Celia last week, is that they could have, the the book could have ended last week. Well, in the last section. Like, the few little bits that we get here about the Roman camp and where Percy is could literally have just been put into the last chapter. Like, there was no reason to add three additional chapters just to drag out the information but you know that was the decision and I'll get into that later but um let's start with Leo's chapters well chapter overview with plans underway as the prophecy now is beginning our timeline is given our heroes have until the summer solstice to travel to Greece six months from now Hephaestus' cabin must now get to work on Argo 2, and because of Leo's importance, he is made head counsellor. Let the work on the ship for the air and sea begin. And that's literally all that happens in this chapter. It's good to know their timeline, 
because you know they've got six months to make this ship um and you know their deadline and all that sort of stuff is very important big thing that i have though why is leo being made head counselor they don't know anything about this kid like literally all they know is that he's now part of the seven and he is designing this argo 2 ship specifically for that prophecy he has no involvement with the cabin he's had no involvement with the cabin in general he's met these people once maybe twice because i guess dinner time as well not really interacted with any of them because like they left straight away <laughs> um and you know well yeah no so he's interacted with them all once hasn't even slept at the cabin and now he's the the head counselor for the Hephaestus cabin like and also he's leaving in six months for Europe to go on a quest like he is not going to be involved with the cabin except for making this ship the whole thing is and this is the same with Piper as well him and Piper both being made head counsellors for their cabins even though they've not interacted with anyone in those cabins have no connection to them or anything like that it just feels like it's a way to make them seem like more important characters in comparison to Jason, Percy and Annabeth or it's really it's just seeming like they're just trying to put him on Jason's level by making them head counsellors because oh he's the son of Jupiter he's already like the big boss so we just need to put them on the same level and I'm like no just let them be themselves <laughs> none of them have the capability or the knowledge to run a cabin because they've been at Camp Half-Blood for a total of two days two days maybe two and a half they've not even been there that long and they've been made like head counsellors what was this decision like the Hephaestus already had a good head counsellor what I just oh, I despair I despair, guys. I despair. <sighs> Dear. So let's go into Jason's chapter's overview, because at least a little bit more happens here, but also... Wow. Okay, so... Here is the overview. <laughs> Jason speaks to his father's statue, nervous about what he is remembering and doesn't know where to go next. Hearing him, Juno arrives to give him a pep talk, Surprisingly, considering she supposedly hates demigods. But that's, you know, explaining the fact that, you know, demigods are connected to their parents, so she has no connection to them because she's a marriage goddess. She can't have demigod children. Besides the point. So, Jason is to be the biggest bridge of the two worlds, a peacekeeper that will lead to their success or failure in bringing together the Greek and Roman camps. Jason is the greatest hero of this age and he will be their leader that is why he was also gifted to juno's patronage she will see him through but for now it's time for the counselors meeting laying down the backstory of what they've done and worked out the greek demigods taking the info that there is a roman demigod camp they'll have to work together for the prophecy but who knows how that'll go but remember this was an exchange and here we discover that Percy is at the Roman camp, likely without any memory. And that, admittedly, that ending is a pretty, pretty boss ending. I will give them that. One thing I've got to say, though, which just confuses me, and I'm just getting a bit tired of, is that we keep getting this message of how Jason is, like, the most powerful demigod, and, you know, he's going to be a leader for them all, and he's just this great, amazing, incredible guy. I'm just like, but where? 
Like, where is this? Like, we've been we've been provided no evidence for this except of being told about. I mean, you even get a second reminder that he defeated the Titan on Mount Orthus single-handedly again in this sec in this section. <laughs> like, t don't tell us what he can do. Show us. All we've seen is him consistently being knocked unconscious, nearly die because he looks at a god's true form. You know, he's not really been that great of a leader. He's not really been that great of a demigod. Like, <laughs> you can't tell me that he's one of the greatest, like he's the most powerful and greatest, etc, etc. Basically trying to say, oh, he's on par, maybe even better than Percy. When you haven't shown me that he is, all you've shown is that he's an idiot. Like, that's currently all that's happened, is that he's this boring plank of wood with no personality, he keeps thinking about Piper instead, is mean to his friends in his mind and even in the things that he says about Leo, and that he keeps getting knocked unconscious. And then occasionally, randomly, he gets these bursts of strength that don't make any sense, like he was able to tackle a 30-foot giant, when he's probably maybe 5 foot 10. Like... <laughs> You can't keep showing him doing these incredible feats that don't make sense biologically and physically. Um, and then expect me to both believe that that's possible, because it's not. It's Even suspending my disbelief, it's ridiculous. I'm just... Uh, I just wish we were actually shown more moments of Jason being, you know, a diligent leader and capable in what he was doing. But because he has no memory, still except a few bits here and there, we have no evidence for this. So Juno bringing up how powerful he is, it does nothing. I just, I'm just really, I'm just really frustrated. But adding to the fact that we find out, obviously, that he's a Roman demigod, just adding to it, it took way too long to get to this point of them discovering the Roman camp. That and literally in the chapters before this, like obviously in last week, we already had a breakdown of what happened on the quest and like all the things that are happening and what they've discovered and this the breaking of these two sets of demigods, a Greek and Roman section. It's just been it's just repeating this the information to bring up the Roman camp again and say that that's where Percy is. Like this whole last section is just really it's just particularly redundant. And it's why I'm just, I'm just really frustrated because it could have lasted last episode. It could have ended last episode, but they just dragged it out. But uh, I'm going to get into that later, actually, because I have a, a feeling I know why it was dragged out. But let's get into the main bits here of the the discussion points. I want to talk first about the series hooks. So the series hooks, just to explain, are basically the things that are being brought up in this last section that are going to be the connective threads to the next book in Heroes of Olympus and just kind of the connective threads for the journey of the Heroes of Olympus series. So the main thing we've got is Camp Jupiter and Percy Jackson. So I'll start first with Camp Jupiter. So obviously we have the connection, obviously, for the Greeks and Romans unveiled, though we don't have the name yet for the Roman camp, which I do feel is a bit weird I don't get why we don't get the name of the camp. Because, you know, it feels like that would be something that Jason would remember, considering it's called Camp Jupiter 
and his father's name is Jupiter. Like, it just feels like a really random fact to leave out. Like, I like that we're learning where Percy is, but, you know, it'd be nice to have a name to the book, uh, to the camp. It just, like, feels like a random bit of information just to leave out. Because, especially kind of what happens with um, Son of Neptune, which obviously is the next book in Heroes Olympus, although not the next book in uh, the timeline, that's Kane Chronicles, but I'll discuss that later. Um, it just it just continues to feel a little bit ambiguous. Like, we don't know anything about this camp except that it's for Romans and it's somewhere in San Francisco. It just still feels like a lot of information is kind of being left out. And considering how long this bloody book is, you'd think we'd get a little bit more, but no. Additionally, we get a bit of from the a bit of the prophecy mentioned here as well about foes bearing arms at the doors of death. Which is an ambiguous part that Clarice, which literally this is the only time we're gonna see Clarice in Heroes of Olympus, and she has this one moment, <laughs> so I'm very disappointed. Um she mentions that it doesn't actually say whether or not they're bearing arms together or against each other which is quite an interesting discussion point of like you know are they actually going to be fighting together or against each other when it comes to that moment um and obviously the only other part is that the roman camp is used to be in san francisco bay area um but that's kind of all we get here it's a good connection to the series hook of camp jupiter and percy jackson being connected but we don't have the name for the camp in this book, so technically I can't even be calling this series hook connection Camp Jupiter because we don't have the name for the camp. It just feels like a really weird oversight because they're like, it could have been mentioned. Like, <laughs> I don't get why it wasn't. Maybe I get maybe Rick didn't have the name for it yet or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was just weird that the name wasn't given for it. To go on to Percy Jackson section for the series hook. So we also finally have a reveal, even though we probably all figured out very early on, um, as to where Percy is. That and how he's also being considered to be part of the Seven, both to the fact that he was exchanged with Jason, but also for the fact that the Argo 2 is going to be travelling by sea and sky. And obviously sea is for Percy, son of Poseidon. Sky is for Jason, son of Jupiter. Um, I don't know, it just, it feels like the <laughs> the connection to the camp and the exchange makes sense. The fact that they mentioned that, you know, the Argo 2 section for it being by Sea and Sky is part of why Percy is connected to the, <laughs> the Prophecy of the Seven. Bit random, because they mentioned that before they even find out that he's at the other camp. So they're just assuming at this point, you yeah, know, Percy's probably part of the Seven as well. <laughs> like... But where is the evidence? And then obviously we get it later, and I'm like, okay, yeah, fair enough. But anyway, but with those reasons about Percy being in at the Roman camp, Annabeth is then also considered to be part of the Seven because she's going to travel with them to get to the Roman camp to find Percy. So she's literally basically part of the Seven prophecy by proxy because she wants to find her boyfriend that feels like a really dumb reason to have her be part of the seven there's no other explanation given for it everything is just so circumstantial it's kind of frustrating i'd rather things be tied much better this is why like i did this video on my youtube channel about how i feel like annabeth should have been part of 
the Lost Heroes quest because currently it makes no sense as to why she's part of the Seven Prophecy. Like that, there's no justification other than she wants to find her boyfriend, which is a really shitty reason because Annabeth is a really interesting character, and they could have done a little bit more of that. Like she's also currently the only one with experience and memory of that experience. Could have added that in a little bit more, but no. Well, I'm gonna stop complaining. Well, I'm not. This is me. I never stop complaining. Um, <laughs> um, and obviously the other series hook for Percy is that he's at the Roman camp and possibly without knowing his name or having any memory. Uh, spoilers, that's a lie. He he remembers quite a bit. He knows his name. And he knows about Annabeth. So that was an interesting decision in that Percy is clearly better because he actually remembers something. <laughs> um, but yeah, not the best series hooks if I'm honest, but, you know, it's a thing. So let's just go into the finales part. So, finales are usually where the little bits of kind of the summarising and the final wrapping up of the plot points happen in this section. The issue here is, except for one, that being um, knowing where Percy is, even though we can deduce that, were technically already wrapped up in the previous section. They're just being redone here to then, basically to repeat all the information to lead into, ah oh, yes, this camp is in San Francisco, this is your timeline, and that is where Percy is. Even though technically some of this information could have been included in the previous section, and it could have been wrapped up Oh, how many extra pages is this? Uh, this could be wrapped up 20 pages sooner. But it's not. And honestly, <laughs> this is one of the weakest finales I think I've ever read. Except for, well, in the Percy Jackson or Ryan vs. universe, this is the weakest finale. Maybe second only to Blood of Olympus, because that, oh god. But, as mentioned last episode, these, and also in this as well, these last two chapters didn't need to be there. They could have been condensed down into the previous section. What I was going to mention earlier is that I feel like the only reason we have these three chapters and why this information is dragged out and dragged out and dragged out is because Rick wanted to end The Lost Hero, how he started it, with Jason's chapters. Oh uh, no, it just... It just felt a little bit odd. I don't, I don't know. I, would, I don't get why we couldn't have ended on Piper's chapters. <laughs> well, actually no, we could, technically we could have ended, we should have ended on Leo's chapters because Leo is the last person off the POV because it goes Jason, Piper, Leo. Leo should have been the person to be ended on because also Leo's chapters are the chapters where we get the last bit of the main part of the information. Just condense what happened here in Jason's ones into the bunker episode, uh, bunker chapter, and have Annabeth be at the bunker with them, because she's currently the only important character. Like, this war room thing is completely unnecessary, because none of the people in that room have any significance to what's going to happen in the main series afterwards. Only person there is Annabeth, and maybe Rachel, who pops up occasionally. 
but no one in that war room is actually significant. All of that could have just happened in the bunker and just with Annabeth being there as well. All the stuff that happened in the bunker just needed Annabeth and we could have ended it there. We did not need to drag this out for three other chapters and 20 pages. We just did because Frick wanted to end it on Jason's chapters. I'm just, I'm just, I'm really disappointed with this book. I don't know, it's just, this book could have been so much more interesting if it had like a hundred pages of it cut out. Because everything is just dragged, so much of it is repeated, we learn so much of the same information twice. It's repeated to us in different ways for reasons that I cannot understand. And it's just, it's just overall just really disappointing. Like, your readers, this is the whole thing. The fact that information is basically repeated to us, usually in different ways, it's just kind of insulting to the reader. Because all it does is just show that the author doesn't trust the reader to understand what is happening so the same message is repeated in a different way to make it sure that they really understand what they're getting at like the doors of death that's shown to us twice one chapter after the other Medea's come back oh so has Midas and Lit well yeah we know the doors of death are open because you've just shown us with the Medea storyline why are you showing it to us again with Midas. Like, but what was the point of that? It just happens continuously. I'm just, it's just a little bit insulting to the reader, if I'm honest. <sighs> the whole book just kind of feels like an insult. Because also the, the characters don't have a relationship and then we're meant to buy that they're friends. Like, even this last chapter with Jason with Juno, she says, oh, well, you know, you're not here alone, that's why you have Leo and Piper, your friends. And like, friends? He doesn't even know who they are. They've known, they may know him, but they also know a fake version of him. He's known them for only a couple of days and doesn't really know anything about them at the same time. Like, it's just, it's crazy. This whole book is crazy. <sighs> I'm so glad I'm over with it. And that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> so I'm going to end this here with the question of the episode. The last one for The Lost Hero. Well, the question is, what were your thoughts on the finale of The Lost Hero and the announcement of the Roman camp? Obviously that question will be going up on all of our social media the day after this episode. So be sure to check that out and drop us your answers. Again, I want to remind everyone that in the episode show notes, you will find links to all these different organisations that you can help support in the forms of Black Lives Matter, Stop Asian Hate, Trans Life Matters, and the Native American support links. Um, these are all important issues that are going on in the world. If there are any that you can think of yourself that you think I should be bringing attention to, please do drop me a message on my social media or in my email, and I'll be sure to add them to the list of social causes going on at the moment in the episode show notes um but yeah thank you all for joining me for the finale of the lost hero be sure to join me next wednesday as we continue our royal reverse journey with the first book in the kane chronicles the red pyramid now 
The King Chronicles actually is kind of all set between the Lost Hero and Son of Neptune. So you're going to be getting a lot of uh, Lost Hero, uh, no, of King Chronicles content in the, you know, coming many months. Uh, although we do occasionally have a few short stories set in the demigod world set between them. So, uh, you know, check it out. Oh, actually, no, I just realised Serpent Shadow is actually after Blood of Olympus. So you'll see, you'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting ride because this timeline is very, very interesting and very, very complicated. But um, yeah, keep an eye out for that. I'm going to be having lots of very interesting guests for the King Chronicles. And also, obviously, we've got the King Chronicles Netflix series, Netflix film series. Um, so, you know, support it as you can and hopefully me doing more on those books will help bring attention to the adaption but anyway to plug where you can find our podcast we're available on spotify apple podcast audio boom stitcher and deezer in the meantime between episodes you can find the best damn camp on various social media at best damn camp pod on instagram and twitter if you want to email me with your thoughts you can email the best damn camp at hotmail.com and you can also become a podcast patron over at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran, which is linked in the episode show notes for early access and other exclusive perks. Want more Percy Jackson content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy dose of Fran. And if you want to support my own writing, my first book is coming out August 2022. And the short story prequel is coming out in April of 2022. So if you want to support me, check me out and drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter. And I'll see slash speak to you guys next time. Bye.